You're listening to episode one of GI Joeberg, coming to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. My name's Stephen, codename T-Man. My first Joe was Iceberg, the 1986 version of Iceberg. I started collecting in 1989. And I'm Paul, Weapon Logic. My first introduction to G.I. Joe was via Sci-Fi, one of my favorite figures and actually something I'm looking really forward to. Was that the 1990 version of Sci-Fi? That would be the 1990 version of Sci-Fi, yeah. Although I'm sure I had a figure before then, but I can't really remember. I recall you out on that, man. Wasn't it the, the neon green one? Well, yeah, it was the neon green one. Not 86. The, not, it's the 86 yeah. one. It's the green you and the catch one. us out that quickly. Yeah, I mean, I've grown up with all these, like, really crazy toys, and um, so where are we going to start, Steve? Well, I think we're going to explain to the listeners what we hope to achieve with this with, with this podcast. We went through a few different names before we settled on G.I. Joburg, so that we could kind of, like, situate it in the fact that we are from Johannesburg, we're in South Africa. It's, it's rather unique being South African G.I. Joe collectors. There aren't a great deal of us. But before we settled on G.I. Joe book, we were going to call this podcast Yojo High Five. The reason being, we wanted to basically give you guys uh, top five picks, like our top five favorite villains or our top five favorite helicopters from the line, just to create talking points and promote debate, especially between the two of us, because... We Paul and Joe's. I, yeah, we love Joes, but we love different Joes, and uh, Paul and I often agree to disagree, yeah. which is always interesting to listen to as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, our friends tell us that we can talk for hours, and we figured, you know, you would want to hear it too. Do you? Do you? Really? <laughs> so, um, coming back to our Yojo High Five, we've come up with a few topics. Uh, we went through a couple of debates as to which top five we would do, and it um, seems like the first one we're going to do is, which are the five figures you would want to see in modern resculpts? So pretty much anything from the original real American line that you'd like to see in a modern sculpt or in a 21st sculpt. All right. Well, coming in at number five, I would really like to see the 1988 Hydra Viper done in the new sculpt style. But I have one request. Uh, Hydra Viper was done in a very loud purple scheme, which is characteristic to his signature look. But I recall the card art for that Hydra Viper is what really kind of grabbed my attention as a child. It was it wasn't very loud, it wasn't in a kind of a purple hue, it was like a, a greyish, bluish, it just looked a bit more sinister. And I think a modern era approach to the Hydra Viper would be to, to tone down that colour scheme a little bit, make him look even more sinister and, and more like some kind of sea creature. Alright, number four is a fan favourite that everyone actually wants, because let's face it, his original 13 look didn't quite capture his essence as well as his second version. Who am I talking about? The rock and roll from 1989, of course. Hell yeah. And of course, those weapons that he came with, those enormous Gatling guns, those sort of double Gatling gun things that had an ammo belt and a backpack. That could do no wrong either. If they could redo those, I think that would make for a really cool and very sought-after figure. And it was just a nice, realistic, Joe-looking figure. Uh, nothing too flashy, other than the weapons. And a nice update to a, a fan favourite. Coming in at number three, and this is purely because he was my first Joe, so I have obvious nostalgic uh, inclinations towards him, is Iceberg from 86. The original figure had a beautiful sculpt, really. Nice, crisp paint apps. Somehow managed to marry white with like a kind of a pale blue. It was green for good measure. He had goggles. I mean, I think in a modern era, you could do a really nice version of that with sculpted grenades with a, a holsterable pistol with uh, removable goggles and, and a hat. That'd be great. Number two. 
Another Joe that kind of has made an entry in the line, but not the version that I'd like to see, is the 1990 version of Rock Viper. Now, they did one in Pursuit of Cobra. It's called Rock Viper. The color palette is quite close to the original, but it just isn't right. It isn't the same figure. The head isn't right. The gear isn't right. And so much of what made a really cool figure back in A Real American Hero was the amazing gear that they came with. And Rock Viper, no exception. Expect to see uh, Rock Viper in one of my Joe's I regret buying lists in future episodes. <laughs> so you regretted so much that he bought uh, two? Two of them. Two yeah, of them. Yep, yeah, two of them. Shame. Number one is also a bit of a cheat because it's seemingly been done, but not. The 1989 version of Night Viper, hands down, is the coolest Viper, in my opinion. The color scheme, the function, the gear, beautiful. In a modern era sculpt, he could actually probably hold that gun a little bit better. The jungle viper that everyone passes off as a night viper, or perhaps not everyone, but it certainly is an homage to the original night viper, doesn't quite cut it. Those funky palm fronds, the enormously oversized optics on the front, and that freaky tank-smashing weapon he comes with. Just don't do it. It doesn't pass muster. It doesn't get my nod. So if they could do a Night Viper, I would certainly buy it. Paul, what are your top five? I'm going to start off with uh, Rock and Rollin' 88. Uh, he's my number five in my list. I have to agree with Steve. He's just a really amazing figure. He looks military. He's got that Surferosa appeal to him as a character. He's always been very cool. A great departure from the original 13 in that he has a lot more personality. His guns are such a, an identifying piece of weaponry that he just sticks out as a really badass military heavy weapon specialist. Yeah, he just rocked my world. He's one of my favorite figures. Followed by Undertow from 1990. I have a big thing for Destro's Iron Grenadiers. And Undertow is actually the first figure I bought when um, they established a new mall here. Went into the store. It's a really cool memory. Went in with my... My mom and a friend of ours, and we went to go watch a movie, and I quickly stopped in at a store called Dion's, where I found this really amazing Cobra Diver, and he had a removable mask, he had a underwater sort of skiff sled system, he came with a really badass Barracuda, he's one of my favorite figures. <laughs> I like the Barracuda, okay? I love the file card, uh, sort of referring to them having some kind of weird connection to these Barracuda as a kid, it blew my mind. He had great colors, gray, red, green. He was just cool. Followed up by another cool figure is Ambush. Ambush is probably one of the more overlooked Joes. I don't see a lot of guys being big fans of him. But, uh, yeah, he was great. I mean, he kind of looked like the World War II version of, of the Joe line. He uh, had, you know, his lamb chops and his hectic beard and all that, which... At the time, didn't it really appeal to me as a kid, but I thought his gear was amazing. All of this really cool camouflage stuff that you could just hide him in your garden with, and he was just great. He's a great figure. He had a lot of great playability, and, and it's a figure I'd love to see brought back into a modern line. I think he would come across really well, and if they got the gear on him, that would be cool. Another great figure, also with some awesome accessories, is Blizzard from 88. I love Blizzard. I think he's... I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Snow Troopers. I think it's because I live in SA. We don't get snow here, and, you know, there's there's always been this appeal to skiing, and, you know, you watch James Bond movies, and you check all of these cool, like, ski acrobatics and all that, and Blizzard just appealed to me from that regard, because he looks cool, he's got this uh, great ski sled that you can make out of his gear, and, um, yeah, he was, he was the alternative to guys like Snowjob and 
Sub Zero, or what is his name? Yeah, Sub uh, not Sub Zero. Sub Zero. Yeah, it is Sub Zero. Yeah. yeah, and I never got those figures. I never saw them on pegs here. So well, Snowjob uh, sadly was a bit before our time. Yeah. In fact, I, I doubt that Snowjob even was on on South African pegs. I mean, that figure was a 1983 vintage, sold on in 1984, but really a little bit before we were collecting. And you have to mention the Taxan video game. Yeah, uh, you could play as Blizzard on the second level. Yeah, I mean that game. I, I think that game did a lot for my fandom uh, because we didn't really have the cartoon here, but we'll get more into that later. But yeah, Blizzard's my number two and my number one, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Heat Viper. Uh, as I mentioned before, I really do like Destro's troops. I love uh, technological vipers, and to be really honest, I think it's the colors that appeal to me. Kind of really like the purple yellow. Sort of synergy there. Um, weird, China. <laughs> it grabbed me in a store. I saw it, and it just had this really big weapon, and the weapon says Fang on the side, and he had these, like, hoses and all kinds of stuff that just went together, and he looks great. And he probably has one of the most unique helmet sculpts in the entire line, being uh, half-covered. Um, I think he would translate really well as a modern-era figure with a removable helmet, and uh, some of the gear sort of brought into a modern era as well. Um, it would be cool if they did some kind of vehicle for Destro where, you know, the Heat Viper sort of could connect these weapons to or something. But, yeah, Heat Viper gets my my number one on the vote on that list. And why Destro? Heat Viper wasn't one of Destro's. Well, it wasn't. I I remember them saying something about, you know, Destro being involved in Heat Vipers because I know Mm -hmm. he's involved in the Annihilators. Yeah, the Annihilators were Destro's sort of airborne ultimate assault troopers. I think Heat Viper was just, you know, a standard Cobra Viper. Perhaps his, his um, equipment was designed by Destro's Mars company. Which is often the case with Cobra stuff. So he's your number one, Heat Viper. He, he's probably my number one. Hey, he's the first thing that came to mind when we came up with this list. I couldn't think of a figure I wanted more than Heat Viper. Of course, we have some honorable mentions, which we might get into later. But I'm sure we've established that Steven knows a lot more than I do about G.I. Joe. <laughs> and why is that, Paul? I don't know. I think it's because he was lucky enough to have lived in Cape Town and had more G.I. Joe in his shops or shelves or something. But he does know a lot more. <laughs> and uh, I, and, and I'm not so sure, fans. <laughs> but but I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing to be humble. And I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into our top five Joe figures in the real American line that we really hate. Now, Paul has this, uh, this interesting way of, of saying figures when he means toys. Toys. Because this list is not exclusively uh, relating to figures. We're going to delve into some of the vehicles as well. And I think we'll actually do this one for one. How about that? Yeah, we can do it one for one. I'm going to kick it off by saying that if I had seen Xandar on the pegs hmm. when he was released, I would have passed him up <laughs> and never bought him. Dreadnought jab. <laughs> yeah, well, not just a dreadnought jab. I am a big fan of Zartan, but there are elements of Zartan that I'd like to ignore. The fact that he has a sister is okay. I prefer him to be pastless, have no history, be a kind of completely blank slate. So, uh, Zorana, I take with a pinch of salt. The fact that there's a third sibling who has the same sense of dress as his sister really sticks out in my mind like i know it probably had a lot to do with the fact that the three of them shared their color changing ability 
And uh, because Zorana and Zandar were released in the same year, they wanted to look affiliated in some way. But giving the guy pink and blue to wear, just it's just confusing. I mean, he just screams sexual confusion. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, I knew you were going to do and that. I do not think that that's, that's something I want in my, my action toy. I'm going to like challenge you on that because um, for me... Okay, for starters, I understand the uniformity of the, them having the same dress. I really? Kinda, you understand why a grown man would wear pink and think that he's a badass? Well, it was the 80s, and I mean, pink was kind of punk then, and he had the whole sort of, you know, street biker gang kind of look. Yeah, I but mean, laughably, laughably his, uh, his whole angle was the fact that no one ever notices him. That he's so very inconspicuous. Which could probably be why he wears pink. And, and dyes his hair pink. Oh, uh, yeah, about <laughs> that. Um... <laughs> Uh, the the thing is, just getting into the Dreadnoughts quickly and, and with the sub- siblings, the Zyton siblings, I've never really truly believed that all three of them had the, the sort of changing ability. I know that Zartan could change his appearance. I've always found that, in my mind, they always had three different abilities. I always felt that Dandar could actually blend in with the background and be a lot more invisible, um, maybe due to the fact that his skin could, like a chameleon, mimic his surroundings to a degree. And I always found that Serana actually didn't really have any special powers, but it was more a matter of she could read and interpret people's um, mannerisms really well and could assimilate them into her own personality very quickly uh, and successfully pull off being uh, the Baroness or Lady J if she wanted to be, or just some street hooker, I suppose. Yeah, that was always the appeal to, to the siblings for me, that they had you know three different like sort of powers in my mind. I know that that's not really canon, but uh, that's how it was for me. I like Zaltan, um, and I really, really dig the Dreadnoughts. I think from a cartoon perspective, they were always a lot of fun. I, I do get some of Steven's stuff, um, and we'll, we'll get into the Dreadnoughts and all that later. I just feel like no one really had a clue what to do with Xandar. I mean, he's always skulking around in the background somewhere uh, in the cartoon. They gave him a really interesting voiceover. He's got this... This gruff, deep, deep voice, yeah. Which is so incongruous. Like, it just, it screams to me that, that no one knew what to do with poor Xandar. I suppose, if you look it at it that way... It was a total afterthought. So, yeah, with Xandar being an afterthought and all, I kind of like that. Um, I think for myself, I've always enjoyed sort of underdog characters, uh, guys that are not always in the front end. Uh, for example, I'm not a huge Duke fan. In fact, I can't stand Duke. Um, I know a lot of you guys out there don't dig Duke either, but somehow we all have three or four of them in our collection. Except for Steve, I think he only has two or three. I don't own any Duke figures at all. Thank you. Let's get into the next figure that, well, the figure that I hate. Yeah, over to uh, you, Paul. Yes, because I haven't had a chance to get Just a, a, a brief kind of like, I don't know, enlightening you guys into, into our line of thinking here. We've kind of made it very broad. If we had seen, uh, if you had seen any of these toys on shelves as a child, would you have passed them up? That's pretty much where we're going with this. Yeah, that's right. So, like, I think it's our inner children that are angry, uh, arguing at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, not angering uh, Freudian slip. So, uh, onto my least favorite uh, vehicle, and it is a vehicle, the Battle Barge from '88. I mean, he's going to agree with me on this one, thankfully. Yeah, incidentally, it made both of our lists. It is the biggest piece of shit ever. Sorry, it's it's a boy with uh, three unlucky Cobra Troopers that sit there and man guns in the hot sun. And uh, are pretty much target practice for any Joe air support or 
Uh, maybe Wetsuit and Deep Six like to take pot shots at them. But I just think it's a really pathetic figure. Um, not even from a concept point of view. I just think it's great. It's, it's gross. It's, uh, it's a single stamp. Uh, it's got three ve- uh, weapons on it. It's got some stupid antenna radar array thing. And it just makes no, po- uh, no sense to me. As a kid, I would have seen it. I would have uh, thought it was actually too expensive for what it was. And would have actually gone, wow, wonder who else likes this thing. Because really, I, I don't. Mm. And, uh, my inner child finds no use for it. And it's, it's, it's just painfully boring. By not yeah. being a vehicle, uh, it has no propulsion systems. It's not a very good base because all it consists of are three seats seated facing outwards. It is basically useful for one thing and one thing only. Target practice. Target practice, definitely. <laughs> it's up there with the coastal defense. But um, on to Steve's next... Uh, well, funny you should say that. It segues quite nicely. Um, the Coastal Defender from 86 is another toy that I would have very likely passed up, even as a child. It's a seat inside a box, and the box closes up, <laughs> and I suppose you can tow it around. It, it it's got doesn't move it. under its own power. It's, it's horrible, and the colors aren't even good. I mean... 86 was hit or miss. It's got some some of the nice traditional Joe colors in it. It's got some rather wacky colors. But this vehicle, with its kind of garish orange set into a kind of a light green, nothing about it is appealing. It's very Ninja Turtles. (laughs) And what does it do? Yeah, um, for me, the only thing I can think of is uh, you set it up in a a broker beach scenario, and you have kids throw water balloons in it and win a fluffy prize when they actually hit the guy in the middle, which shouldn't really be too difficult to do. Mm. And therein lies the whole problem with the Coastal Defender. Yeah, it wouldn't do a very good job of defending itself, let alone any kind of coastline. My Your next one, sir. My next one would be the Cobra Storm Eagle from 92. That would be the G.I. Joe Storm Eagle or the oh, oh, Cobra Liquidator. Yes, Sorry. yeah. I have to chip in every once in a while. Yes, yeah. He, like I mentioned, he knows more. Yeah, um, wise ass. Wise ass. I don't know. Uh, I kind of really love water pistols. I owned a, a Super Soaker 250 when I was younger. That thing brought me endless amounts of joy. Even when I broke it apart, it was still a really feasible handgun at one stage. Although um, there was this really horrible line of jets and tanks that were connected as water pistols in some of the toy stores up here at one stage. And, yeah, when I saw that G.I. Joe was running the same kind of gag, um, I gagged. Uh, It wasn't very cool. As a kid, I was kind of disappointed because I would have taken pretty much any 92 vehicle over those squirt guns, squirt gun jets. Uh, And they were all over the place. Uh, they were in Reggie's, which is a popular toy store here, and they were littered in the Toys R Us, and it was it just brought on a great sense of despondence. Um, I can't say much more than that. I mean, if I see them in lots, um, it pretty much uh, sours a lot for me as well on eBay. I, I can't, I, I I can't actually really get more disgust out of myself with those. I'm yeah. gonna say that there was no saturation of these water pistol jets. Back in my hometown, which is uh, Cape Town, if I had seen it on shelves as a child, I would have snatched that puppy up so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a being a, a, a collector who came in slightly later than than the GI Joe debut back in the very early 80s, I came on board when the line was kind of starved of jets. 
I missed the Sky Striker. I missed the Raven. I missed the Rattler. I missed everything. The Condor. If I had seen the Storm Eagle or the Liquidator, I would have bought those puppies very quickly. Which I can understand because at the time I was very fortunate enough to have a Condor that I was playing with that a friend of mine had actually given me. And uh, I think having something as awesome as, say, the Condor, uh, it definitely did change my perception on, on what G.I. Joe Jet should be. I think I've, I was in the same boat as Steven. Maybe the Storm Eagle and that other thing <laughs> <laughs> actually maybe appealed to me as, as having jets for my G.I. Joes. But Look, they're a manageable size. They're quite compact. They've got a handle, which gives it the water pistol look and feel. But that facilitates a kind of more easily played with toy. And I think as a child, that would have been a big plus for me, in fact. And to give it a bit of, of visible firepower, even if it was just, you know, water, would also be a selling point. I really don't know why you have such a big axe to grind, except I didn't know any better back then. So, sure, as far as jets for the line goes, these water pistol jets aren't the greatest. But uh, you could do far worse. I mean, come on, you were Gargo for the Fang 2. Hey, uh, yeah, but the Fang 2 is cool. <laughs> well, the Fang 2 makes sense in that scale. It's a small attack helicopter, tilt rotorcraft. I suppose a jet doesn't translate as well yeah, when true. you're talking, and, you know. And also, let's not forget, and I'm actually not a big hater of this, but uh, generally, and, and I always thought this was quite funny in the catalog shots, you had Cobra Commander lying inside that cockpit, and uh, unless you had a screwdriver, there was actually no way you were going to get the talking battle Cobra Commander into that vehicle. So that always confounded me a little bit. I always thought that was a bit odd, an, an, an odd choice. That and they lie down, but as I mentioned earlier... Yeah, ditto the fact that the, the talking battle commando uh, General Hawk was shown inside the Storm Eagle. That's correct, yes. This might be a European-only uh, catalogue, however. I mean, we, <laughs> incidentally, South Africa received our G.I. Joe toys from Europe, or from Great Britain, in fact. We got glossy uh, blueprints, for instance. I mean, whereas the GI Joes from or GI Joe vehicles from from the states had a more uh, paper texture. We also got the catalogs from Europe, and a lot of those catalogs omitted certain vehicles. I guess certain things weren't um, destined to be sold. Yeah, in Europe. And uh, on to your next one, good sir. Oh, jeez, already. Um, <laughs> If I had seen any of the drug elimination force toys, I would have run away. Amen to that, brother. In fact, I can very vividly remember being on holiday in Europe and seeing these figures who had enormous, translucent, spring-loaded, battery-operated accessories and thinking, this isn't G.I. Joe, this is some other, you know, knockoff line, some... Someone trying to, like, steal Joe's glory because these figures are rubbish and their accessories are awful. Just really not much merit to those figures. And it came at a stage in the line where, you know, there were a lot of bad choices being made and, and choices that would ultimately doom the line. Well, I was quite forgiving at the time because I was a child when those choices were being made. So things like the Eco Warriors, things like the Star Brigade, got a lot of love from me. I bought those figures and I yeah, played likewise. with them a lot. But the Drag Elimination Force, I don't know, something in the name even doesn't doesn't really excite me. I don't want my figures chasing after drug lords. I want them fighting battles in outer space. 
Actually, yeah. Um, which brings out another point. Uh, when I was when I was into the, into Joe as a kid, I didn't really know about drugs. They were never a problem. They were never in my society. So a drug elimination force sort of seemed pointless. It was kind of like a. It, it just seemed pointless. It's like GI Joe busting drug rings and 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 yeah, it was just not something I could relate to either as a kid. Although mind you, I never saw them here because they never actually came here. So lucky me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, let's say got one thing right. What's up for you next, Paulie? The Cobra Septic Tank. The reason I hate this vehicle so much is probably because of the very few vehicles that we actually got here in South Africa. The Cobra Septic Tank was one of them. And I was quite a fan of the Eco Warriors line. I actually really loved Cecil from that line. I think he's a really great figure. Great facial sculpts. I can go on about him for hours. I really love that figure. That embossed cobra sigil on the chest. Yeah, he's great. Pure uh, gold. He's pure robot gold. arm. Yeah, man, that guy was great. He was great. He was. He actually factored into being one of my serious bad guys in the line. And yeah, the the cobra septic tank just. I don't know. Maybe as a kid, I just really loved putting my joes into to vehicles in and then being able to enclose them, and and keep them sort of like safe from bullets and and explosions and things and. Bearing in mind, at this point, I had already owned, uh, I already owned the Warthog and the Cobra Bug. So something like the Septic Tank was just a serious sort of letdown. It was kind of like uh, going on a blind date with uh, a model, a Swedish model, and then getting there and finding out the Swedish model couldn't make it. And you're ending up with uh, her sister, who happens to be, I don't know, some inbred stepchild. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was very much that for me. Um, the neon colors and stuff like that, honestly, that didn't bug me so much as a kid. But just the tank just felt incomplete. There's just something so empty and yeah, just there was nothing going for it for me. That's pretty much why I, I dislike it. And why even when I see it in lots today, I I also get a little bit angry because uh, people actually bought that thing. <laughs> yeah, guilty as charged, man. I bought a septic <laughs> tank. <laughs> the fate of my septic tank was. I painted it black and called it a his tank, yeah. <laughs> which, which solves one of the his tank's major problems because um, instead of having a glass canopy, which does look sexy and all, but is rather impractical, the uh, septic tank has this slatted armor, which looks kind of funky. Not practical either because it doesn't offer a great um, deal of, 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 uh, of vision for the driver. But in the darker color, I'd imagine it looks quite menacing. Yeah, and at the age of 10, I used a cokey pen, <laughs> <laughs> or a permanent marker, or a sharpie. Um, that's case. <laughs> and colored that sucker in. Yeah. What was also cool about the septic tank, or the hiss tank mold, was uh, if you screwed off the, the turrets, which was very easy to do, uh, it made for a pretty decent APC. I could fit a couple of original uh, Real American Heroes and or Cobra figures, into that hull, then battle to get them out. <laughs> They'd rattle around in there, and I'd have to turn the whole thing upside down. Never see the light of day. Uh, I think my five are down, so you need to uh, chip in again with oh. your your final um, top five real American hero toys that you would never buy. Okay, well, one of them is the Attack Cruiser from '91, and uh, as soon as I because I had to expel it from memory. But as soon as I get a decent shot of that, again, and get a look at it, I'll tell you exactly why I hate it. But in the meantime, the pulverizer from 1989. Yeah, it's a big, horrible tank, like, with a really horrible big gun, and it just looks, did I mention horrible? 
Yeah, it, you're gonna have to explain it a bit better than that. Buddy. It's not a good. It, it's once got again, ugly lines. I own this toy. Yeah, yeah. Steve somehow owns these toys that I don't like. Well, let me paint paint the picture for you listeners out there. Um, in the store that um, Paul mentioned a bit earlier, a store called Dion's, uh, which had a few Joes. Um, they really maxed out on the Fang Twos and pulverizers. So it seemed like for a time the only vehicles you could get were those two. And then they added Darklon's Evader to the inventory, and we all know that's a, a prize piece. <laughs> I don't mind it too much, but yeah, I, I hear you. But uh, okay, I would say it's a letdown that, that you know any any Joe vehicle that didn't come with a driver to me was it kind of sour. Yeah, you needed someone to man the damn thing. Uh, I refuse to accept that every Joe is capable of manning every piece of equipment. You know, certain equipment needs a specialized pilot or driver. And when it didn't come with a specialized pilot or driver, it really cheapened that vehicle's function or that vehicle's status. It was like saying, oh, anyone can just hop behind the wheel of this pulverizer and, and, and do some damage, which which is a shame. It is a massive laser railgun, I think, mounted on a, on a tracked vehicle. I don't know. It just didn't look cool for me. I, I just... Don't dig it. It's, it just seems so simple, and I'm just expecting the poor Joe to lose his head when everybody shoots at him. Yeah. Trying to aim There's a problem with the, the driver's position being very exposed, and also the fact that the driver had zero, like, controls. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he that. just sort of put his hands in his lap. And, and I can't believe I said 89, because it's clearly not from 89. Oh, it is. Oh, is it from 89? Oh, uh, my bad. pretty sure. Because they've got the Night Force one, and... Yeah, they did the Night Force version of it. I don't know why. Uh, obviously, a lot of guys like it. I'm just not one of them. I think... He's confusing it with the Night Force version of the Persuader. And oh, there we go. <laughs> the name escapes me now. Oh, yeah, that's that's my bad. Um, <laughs> and the Night Striker or something. No, that was, that, was, something. that was the whale. Oh, man. Wait, hold on. Hold on. That pulverizer with that stupid thing with it. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's all coming back to me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Mild language usage on this podcast. Cover your ears, kids. Yeah. You, Look, the pulverizer had that sort of popple thing, which, which yeah. managed to elevate the turret and hold it there, but then would kind of, like, sag backwards or forwards, where whichever way the weight was, was leaning. So, yeah, I guess there were some serious flaws. But you know what? If the topic really is toys that we would have never bought, even as children... I can't really decline the pulverizer because I bought it. I saved up my hard-earned allowance, and I went down to Dion's back in 89, 90, or maybe even as late as 91, and I picked that sucker up. And you know what? I used it quite a bit. It was my first G.I. Joe tank. It was my first G.I. Joe tracked vehicle, so it saw a lot of use. It, uh, Who's in the pack shot again in that, in that vehicle? Oh, gosh. I think it was light recoil. recoil. It was a recoil, and then in the catalog shot, I think they used light scoop. Or, or scoop. Yes, it was scoop. Yeah, yeah, that didn't exactly scoop. up the stakes at all, Don't having a G.I. Joe cameraman at the helm. Yeah, and um, coming back to, well, well, the pulverizer, I think Steve pretty much nailed it, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just for me, it just seemed really cheap. Um, I think at the same time, uh, the pulverizer was in the same store at the same time as the warthog that I bought. And much to my um, regret, I did get one of those Cobra decimators, uh, the single stamp, treaded missile toting 
piece of rubbish that I actually saw a lot of fun from my hands. And yeah, as a what, kid, I covered decimator. Oh, I don't know. It's like that that horrible grade thing, and it's got a poor annihilator that has to drive the drive it around. I can't remember now. I'm trying to find the damn thing, but um, <laughs> it was horrible. I actually still have one of its missiles. It, it tells me that I suck for having lost a lot of my cool Joe stuff growing up, and that I still have this missile from the one vehicle I really despised as a kid. Another one is that horrible, and I think a lot of you are going to agree with me here, is that horrible attack cruiser. It's that horrible, like, it launches a jet with a soft tip. It is, it is so horrible. Horrible. It's freaking <laughs> retarded. You like that word. I do. I, I think Destro did a much better job. Uh, was, no, not Destro. When they re-released that Cobra Commander with the neon orange faceplate, he had a weapon similar to that. And I thought his was actually a lot more commendable because it had this little glider and it was just much cooler. And then you had this attack cruiser from 91 and yeah, it was just not cool. I luckily didn't see one. So we were very fortunate in South Africa not to have had it on our pegs to tempt us. Not that it would have. It but just doesn't have anything positive going for it. And it's got some rather serious practical flaws. For instance, I mean, if you know anything about like a car wheelbase, having you know, your four wheels kind of uh, equidistant or, or, you know, in line with one another makes a lot of sense. The attack cruiser has this wicked design where <laughs> the one end has, has wheels further apart to the other side. You're going to have to go online and actually look this up if you're not familiar with the vehicle. But uh, how it turns is a mystery to me. And also, I mean, uh, the one redeeming quality, I suppose, is that it was neon-colored. I mean, you could find it in your garden if you had lost it. But, yeah, just to shoot it down again, I think this came across, and I didn't really get to mention it when we were talking about the Storm Eagle earlier, and generally any vehicle that has a handle on uh, puts me off immediately. I think it stems from, I used to have that jet from He-Man, it's like a falcon head. Yeah. He-Man, and it yeah. had a helmet, uh, had a handle in the back, and it just killed it. I don't know how to explain it. It like I bought it, I saw the box art, I I opened it up in the car on the way home, and it had a handle, and I don't know, it just felt like something that I could carry my He-Man figures around with, and I think since then it's it's killed it for me, because even the new Night Raven with that handle that pops out, I I even almost considered buying one. Uh, they're very cheap, they're 230 rand, but it has this pop-out handle, and yes, I get. The, the fun of playing with it, you know, with a handle and it's easier to fly around, but it just kills the aesthetic and it makes it more toy. And I don't know, I think my imagination just didn't want to contend with that at the time and still doesn't. And the attack cruiser has a big handle on the back of it as well. It's a little bit more hidden, but then when you look at it from the side, it's like a giant joystick. I just couldn't get past that. That would be me wrapped up for my five dislikes of the Real American Hero Life. Well, I'll say this about the Attack Cruiser before we move on. In retrospect, it had a really nice concept. I mean, we're all aware of the use of drones in modern-day warfare. So, as far back as whenever it was, 1991, G.I. Joe embraced this technology. They just didn't Which is do really it, cool, actually. They just didn't do it properly. Properly, yeah. They made a foam glider when they could have done something cooler, and they made it launch from a horrible vehicle. Which is why I liked Cobra Commander's 
spring-loaded jet-launching vehicle, missile, weapon, whatever it came with, a lot more than this vehicle. Sadly, it all sold out on the gimmick. I mean, it, it had to actually launch the thing, so the thing itself was poorly made and lightweight and ugly. And the vehicle itself, well, color choices and bad wheel placement bring <laughs> it down in my eyes. And that's us praising and then basting stuff in the jawline. I mean, there's a lot of other things that we dislike um, that we may never actually buy, but we don't have a searing hate for them. And maybe we will in six months' time and we will mention it. But at the moment, yeah, I'd say the Attack Cruiser is always going to be on that list. Agreed. So for those of you guys out there thinking that maybe we're a bit rough on the figures or maybe we are praising things that don't deserve to be praised or we're bringing up arguments that don't deserve to be brought up, the whole point of this you know, podcast is to, to get into that kind of stuff. These are the kind of conversations we love having. We know you love having them. We generally don't hate toys. It's just more of a, a childish sort of disappointment that we like to, to make vocal, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, like Steve brought up some really good positive points about that mobile attack cruiser, whatever. See how its names already escaped me. So we're going to do that a lot. Um, sometimes we're not going to completely destroy figure because we do believe it has a, a positive merit. And we do know that some of you out there really do like the DEF horse. And for you, that was G.I. Joe. And we're never... We're not about to show you. Shame on you. you. Yeah, shame <laughs> on you. We're, we're not going to completely destroy it for you because, hey, I grew up on Ninja Force. And at the time, those were the coolest figures for me because hey. I really dug Ninja. Yes, yeah, I man, the Ninja Force can do no wrong. My goodness. Those yeah. were my top figures. Yeah. I'll say this right now, friends. When I was eight years old, ninjas could do no wrong. But that's exactly it. And all of us have something special about the Joe line that if we look back now as adults, we will see where we went wrong, but we had those experiences as kids, and we know some of you out there really didn't have the benefit of the line like we did, and some of you had the benefit of the line that we never did. So, on that note... But, my friends, eBay is the great equalizer. (laughs) I never had a tomahawk until I found eBay. Yeah, and then you found another one hidden in some toy shop in Cape Town, which, um, just so you know, is tantamount to Dr. Jones finally finding the Holy Grail or, you know, making it to that final stretch where his son goes and gets the the Holy Grail. And then his son gets to tell him, oh, by the way, I found this figure inside a toy shop uh, deeply embedded in the tomb. Oh, and yeah, it was the last one like ever. Yeah, that's how I felt. But yeah, on that note, I'm lost as well. Uh, Sometimes Paul goes on these little rants. We just forgive him that one. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Jones, really. Yeah, Dr. Jones. I mean, he got that far. I know how Dr. Jones feels. I mean, like, I envy Indy. It's like Dr. Jones finding what? The Holy Grail? And then finding another Holy Grail. Yes. Hell yeah. (laughs) Like that. But um, probably more intelligent, and we'll leave it to you to work that out. Until next time, guys. Keep it real. Keep collecting, and uh, don't hate on Hasbro too much. We're still trying to get sponsors. (laughs) So long, guys. So long. If you would like to comment on what you've heard, Drop us a line, either on gijoberg.podbean.com 
That's G-I-J-O-B-U-R-G dot podbean dot com or a real South African hero dot blogspot dot com. That's a real South African hero with no spaces dot blogspot dot com. <laughs>